This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I'm sick with this, I'm sick with this. Since you wasn't that fun, large judgment. My arms went down, didn't it? Whatever, I didn't recognize you for this. Welcome to another episode of the show, the podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, as always, Shane Told. I am just about to go to Europe. I'm getting on the plane in... Well, I'm not getting on the plane. I'm going to the airport in 30 minutes. I'm quickly banging this out. I'm going to edit it on the plane. You know, the struggle is real. There's a lot of work that goes into these episodes. I do appreciate you listening to them and oh my god, the episode this week is great. It's a doozy. I welcome Dustin Bates of Starset onto the show. I don't know if you've heard about Starset. I'm sure you've heard their songs. They have a lot of radio success. It's pretty hard if you're putting on active rock radio not to hear some of their hits. But what's so cool about this band is they're not just another radio rock band. They're not just a rock band in general. There is some big-time conceptual stuff going on here. Starset's backstory is, to say the least, far more involved than most bands. The band emerged from the Starset Society, a highly intelligent organization which aims to publicly educate and inform about the importance, uses, and philosophical debates surrounding technologies related to four distinct categories. They are space, automation, brain, and body. The Starset Society uses public outreach programs which relate the information, quote, in a manner that is both entertaining and informative, unquote, which is where Starset, the band, comes in. Now keep in mind, this backstory is fictional. However, it's hard enough to write a concept album, let alone be a concept band. So to say the least, this episode is very, very interesting. Before we get into that with Dustin, I want to thank you all for listening to this, being a part of this, whether you are a casual listener, if this is your first time checking this show out, whether you're a super fan in the All Access Club, which I will tell you about in a little bit, regardless of the reason or why you're here or anything, welcome. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing that I can speak to you, that I can communicate, we can learn about new bands together, we can talk about music. If you ever want to get in touch with me, it's very, very easy. LeadSingerSyndrome at gmail.com. You can tell me how you liked an episode or didn't like an episode. If you have suggestions for upcoming guests of the show, they are more than welcome. Hit me up, LeadSingerSyndrome at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. And check out the Facebook page. Just give it a search. It'll pop right up. So this weekend was super rad. I played a show out in Iowa, Sioux City, Iowa of all places, with a day to remember and Beartooth. It was almost like a mini festival. And I had such a good time. And one of the reasons I had such a good time was all of the fans of the show, all my sinners in the All Access Club that came out to Iowa of all places. It's not easy to fly there, believe me. You have to take at least one connection. It's a tiny, tiny little airport. But it was so rad to see everybody come out. We partied, we hung out. It was such a good time and it warmed my heart. 
Shout out to Andre, who came all the way from Australia to do this. It was pretty bonkers, and I look forward so much to all the future little mini Sinnerfest meetups we're going to have. If you want to be a part of this, if you want to be a part of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club, check it out. The link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. Basically, you get bonus episodes every month, question and answer session with me. I play some tunes on there. You get access to Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise, including patches sent to your house every three months. They're pretty sick. And of course, access to an incredible community of friends from all over the world, from all walks of life that are here to talk about music, sports, life, whatever you want on the Facebook group. It is awesome. So again, the link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access for as little as $6 a month. It gets you in. So check it out and shout out to all my sinners worldwide. If you are a listener in Europe, be sure to check out the upcoming Silverstein tour dates. We're playing France and Belgium and Netherlands and Germany and Austria and Czech Republic. So we're, we're going to be around. So check it out at SilversteinMusic.com. Would love to see you all there. Okay, he's got a master's in electrical engineering and air force research and is also taught at the International Space University. That is, that is not fictional. Here it is, my conversation with Dustin Bates. Of Starset. Take me high and I'll sing of you. Make everything okay, okay, okay. I'm here with Dustin Bates of Starset. Uh, great to have you, man. Um, how, how's it going? Not too bad. Just back home in Columbus for a little while. Yeah. And and uh, I feel like, you know, people want to say, oh, they'll call this band like the hardest working band in show business or, you know, that kind of stuff. I want to nominate uh-huh. your band for that title because <laughs> what you guys do, it's so elaborate <laughs> It's so out there, and it's so all-encompassing. Um, when you get home, is it like, all right, time to relax, or is it, all right, what do I have to do? Like, I've obviously got shit to do, you know? What, what, which is yeah. I, I tend to relax for, like, a day. I feel like <laughs> sometimes a little more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I actually get even more work done when I'm at home. Uh, I'm sure, I yeah. fall into a... a you know, when I do work on the road, I, I it tends to feel like work um, because you're fighting against, you know, saving the energy for putting on the show, improving the show, running the show. And, but at home, I fall into a pretty cool groove where it doesn't really feel like work and I just knock tons of stuff out. And, you know, I can do other like random things, go for a bike ride, clear my mind. And I, I just get super efficient. But yeah, there's no... Not all. It, it, I definitely don't just come home and mess around. Right, right, right. And and do you have like what's going on in your personal life? Are you are you married? Do you have children? Are you single? Yeah. Uh, no. I just have. Uh, I'm single, and I have a dog who <laughs> pro- people probably ma- people make fun of me because he is like a child. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm about to take him for a walk, actually. Oh, okay, um, perfect. 
Perfect. Yeah. And he, um, he's basically, yeah, he's just, uh, as, 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 uh, crazy as my life gets as a dog. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, well, I, I kind of want to start from the beginning. I think you have such an interesting story. Obviously, this the whole you know star set thing I want to get to, but I kind of want to go back and start from the beginning um, because you know, obviously, you know, you're from Columbus. You've had this this crazy you know academic career, um, and also you know a lot of people don't talk about your old band uh, Downplay, yep. which you know was. You know, you guys had, you guys did some stuff. It wasn't, you know, it, it's definitely a band that you did tours and you put out records and you were on, uh, you know, Epic Records and stuff like that. So um, talk to me from the beginning, you know, how you kind of got into this whole, you know, music thing and also kind of the role that, I guess, you know, uh, academia and science and school all played into it. Yeah, it, hmm. The first thing that got me into music, and this this sounds like some made-up anecdote, but I really think it's true, (laughs) um, barring any sort of revisionist history of telling myself this story, but uh, it's the drum fill of Phil Collins in the air of the night. (laughs) Uh, You know what I think of when you say that? I think of... um the Hangover? Hangover. Yeah, yeah where totally. Mike Tyson yeah. is, is uh, hang on, shut up, I love this part. <laughs> yeah, uh, literally, I think I fell out of my chair in the theater when that part happened. Uh, um, but yeah, my mom was a huge Phil Collins uh, fan and played it, you know, but that was the moment I was like, I got to play drums. Right. And I, yeah, didn't have enough money for a drum set, but I got a snare drum, joined the school band and all of that. Okay. And then eventually, the like when I was I think twelve, I mowed lawns and brought, bought a drum set. Until about a year later, when I was uh, basically I had driven my stepmother crazy enough that I was time to move on to another instrument, and uh, I started playing. I, I randomly picked strawberries and sold them to get a guitar. <laughs> Funny thing is about that, I'm left-handed. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, left handed stuff is like twice as much money. Yeah, it is. So, it is weird. It's weird. You know, it I, I don't, but it's just supply and demand, you know. Sure, um, I get it. They, they have to make less, so the price point is higher. But uh, I started, uh, uh, you know, I'd always played air guitar like a left hander. And then as soon as uh, I picked enough, that last quart of strawberries that equated to a right handed guitar, uh, that, you know, I didn't have the willpower to keep to keep going, and I bought a right-handed guitar, so I've done that right-handed ever since. Yeah. Well, you know, I think sometimes it gives maybe somebody an advantage um, because, like, you know, when you play guitar, and, I mean, I know everybody knows this, but I'll explain it anyways. You know, if you're right-handed, you're, you're really just using your picking hand, and you're like, you know, you have six options in the combinations. Like, all the yep. stuff that's really challenging is with your left hand. So it would only mm-hmm. make sense that if you were left-handed, you know, you would have the, the, you know, that the power would be there and you would be better at playing that way. Right? Yeah. You think it would give you an advantage. Cool. Yeah. And you would think it, but I am pretty, pretty terrible. <laughs> uh, well, I, I actually, it did develop a, a sort of rhythmic um, a thing to my playing. Maybe the drums, play, having played the drums and then, you know, having uh, my left hand at the fretboard. Uh, it added a certain, uh, somewhat unique, uh, 
rhythm rhythmic element to right. to the way I to way I played and wrote riffs and stuff. So so yeah, I, I definitely it, it made it unique. That's for sure. But right. um, yeah, so I guess I uh, um, started playing guitar, then discovered. Um, well, I, I got into Weezer and then and grunge, of course, mm-hmm. and and then discovered Metallica a little late. You know, they, okay. they were on like. Uh, but the funny thing was, I, I went from you know liking Metallica to discovering the old stuff, and then yeah. became a super fan of, uh, like many people do, oh, I uh, love super it. I fan. Love yeah. And so it was Master Puppets and Justice for All, Red uh-huh. Lightning. The, the, that trifecta really um, got me. Uh, so Weezer made me want to write songs, I guess. And Metallica made me want to be in a band in, like crazily. A powerful and band, so, right. I, I get that yeah. combination. And yeah, those are obviously two, you know, maybe not... You know, you wouldn't listen to Star Set and be like, oh, it sounds like Metallica mixed with Weezer. But I mean, I definitely yeah. can see those being influences. And it's funny you mentioned, you know, how the one moment of of that Phil Collins song made you want to pick up, you know, a drum, pick up the drums. For me, it was Metallica and the end of, of one, you know, the, the really fast, like, you know, the part I'm talking Dude, about? Totally. So I heard that and I was like, what is that? I have to do that. Uh, yeah. And I, I I went to ask my sister, I said, what is that? Is that drums or is that guitar? And she said, uh, I think it's guitar. And I mean, we, we know now yeah. it's both at the same time. It's but, totally. But I I, uh, I I went and got a guitar a right after that. So, Dude, I totally, totally. Uh, there's a video of me and two other, uh, like a drummer and guitarist, like, Playing to that with like a strobe light on in my basement. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I, I haven't. Uh, man, I need to find that. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I'm right there with you. The one was like, that was the jam, and the video I thought was the darkest, most oh, crazy yeah. thing ever. Oh yeah, with the like the dubbed in like like kill me part. Yeah. Like the oh, that yeah that that is one of the best videos and and as a guitar guy I always thought it was weird that Kirk Hammond was playing a Fender Stratocaster in that video too I was like Metallica doesn't uh, play Fender Stratocasters but then you know what I did oh, I went, dude, I I didn't went even and got one that. I went and got one because Kirk <laughs> Hammond because he was it was my first like good guitar was a an American Standard Stratocaster because Kirk Hammond was playing it in the one video so. Wow! There you go. That's, that's very atypical. Not some uh, yeah. flying V or something. I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absol- well, if he's playing a flying V, maybe I would have got a flying V. Who knows? <laughs> but um, anyways, yeah. So so you you got into that. And obviously, you know you 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 found some friends somehow in school or however you know you start playing with other people. Uh, how did that happen mm-hmm. for you? Yeah. Uh, just, there's always there's always a, a group of pseudo outcast kids that are that are trying to be in bands and uh you know maybe cool kids as well i'm sure but i tended to <laughs> be in a band with well i guess some of them, we wouldn't you know how it is uh some of them might not might even be offended by hearing me say that that i considered a pseudo outcast but i think we were and uh and um we just i, I guess I, the first band i sort of was in i played drums but just for a minute i wasn't very good and then i did uh bass and then guitar and it was 
and eventually, it, like maybe 18, I think, or 17, I started singing. I was terrible. But mm-hmm. that's like the, the typical problem in high school is that everybody is terrible at singing. Yeah. And, and then you just are the least terrible. Exactly. And then, and then you just keep exactly. going. You, Dustin, you wouldn't believe I've done, this is like 131 episodes of the show I've done. You wouldn't believe how many times I've heard that. It's like I was the only one in my group of friends that could carry a tune, so I became the lead singer, and over time I just got better. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah, and yeah, and I and I still to this day I don't really consider myself a singer. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hear that too. I write. I hear that too. Yeah, I yeah, I just write songs, and someone's got to do it. Were you always sorry if this is offending to you, but were you always like a nerd? Oh, that's not offensive. I, I, cert- <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I always was, and still am. I've just learned to, uh, to, uh, what's the word? Uh, I'm trying to think of manage it better. <laughs> that's the word. <laughs> I love that word. That's a great word. Manage it better. So, how do you manage? How do you manage it? You get, you know, get like better clothes, leather jacket. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, no. See, you got to be careful. Leather, the leather jacket puts a little too on the nose that you're trying to to compensate. Ah, right, right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just mostly just getting better social skills through <laughs> sheer force. Um, <laughs> that's that's been a, a lifelong process, to be honest. Sure. I. Yeah, I was just the social skills were entirely lacking. That was the first thing. And then um, finding interests outside of nerddom also that comes along as well. Uh, And then I don't know. I think those are the the two main things. In fact, for that first thing, I'm saying the the social skills, I I was uh, violently introverted and then for a while in interviews i was like yeah but i i've i've uh managed to have a faux extroversion that i've developed and and whatnot and now i'm sitting here uh, like just maybe a couple weeks ago i was like oh shit i might be an extrovert now what that this is messed up so yeah well that's, uh, that's interesting i mean you you're obviously like you know being a lead singer of a band on tour interviews on stage dealing with fans you kind of you have to like ooze this confidence, and I think yeah. at first it can start out sort of being contrived, or you're kind of just you know doing it because that's what you do, and then over time I think that can actually become a part of your personality. I think absolutely. Yeah, and that's funny you say that as well. I'm careful not to um, to, to ascribe to that all the way, but the, the confidence is absolutely necessary. In fact, especially on the stage every day, no matter what, uh, uh, might not have, and, and that's a huge, it's super important. Um, cause I might not just be naturally just this very, um, ultra confident person all times, but there's something on the stage that when you, I call it, um, the hypnosis really, um, that people, people can read, fear or weakness, especially on some of these tours where you're walking out there with 
three spacemen and two cyborgs <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> on like a heavy ass tour. And, um, they, they, the best case scenario, the people that have never seen you before, they want to know if they should like it or if they're socially allowed to like it. Right. Um, right. And so the best case scenario, they're on the, on the sort of, uh, the edge and, uh, you have to walk out there and it's, it's nonverbal really. The, the, the thing that you have to portray and if you lose it, 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 it's, it's hard. It's not, it's like visceral. It's not, it's hard to put your finger on it. But if you, if you don't have it that, that night, uh, you, the, the fan conversion or whatever right. is, is noticeably lower. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, well, I, I don't want to skip right over downplay, but you know, uh, oh, I, yeah. I do want to talk about it, but I, but I, I want to talk about star set and just this, this world, you know, that you've built, um, around it. And, you know, I've, you know, I'm in a band and we've put out, you know, eight albums and I've put out, you know, four concept albums and, you know, doing a concept album is hard enough, but you guys are a concept band. Mm -hmm. And that whole thing, that whole idea that you've come up with is just so, uh, intense, um, um, constantly like you have to work on, on everything making sense, following a story. You can't really go veer off too much out of a lane because the nerds are going to say, wait a second, this doesn't add up. You know, um, mm-hmm. talk to me about the idea where this all came from and, and how, you know, do, how are you feeling about it now after having so much success? Yeah. Um, I guess the synthesis of it was out of the chaos and, and destruction of what had been my PhD uh, schooling and downplay. You know, I had left schooling to, because in the in the very end of downplay because I couldn't juggle them more. Right. And soon after I did, I lost my record deal, and I had already sold all of my um, instruments and. Every, you know, I had reinvested, I invested everything in the potential success of downplay and I had no money, no, uh, path. I was just off of the, off the track. Right. And, and t- some of the elements that were to become the overarching narrative of star set happened before star set, um, started, I don't know if it was a psychotic break or whatnot, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to move back into my parents' house and I was in their spare bedroom and out in the garage that I had once jammed in, uh, I had these massive, uh, I still do this actually, uh, massive like, um, papers, the sticky, I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're like four foot papers that stick on the wall. Um, I I do this every time I like replan entire levels or worlds of things, but I had, uh, you know, the, the, the walls were covered in a sort of vision of futurism and, and certain tech and, and I guess some of the philosophical components of what was to become this thing. And, but it wasn't initially intended to be, um, this multimedia project. And then I got the bug to write more music and then I realized that it should be something that I'm more passionate about right. and, and can, and can meld all of the things I like. And then, 
and, and yeah, and it just kept going and going. And so to answer or to, I guess, address <laughs> your questions, <laughs> uh, that was the backstory or whatever. Right. Uh, it, it's certainly a lot of work to keep it going, but it's something that I think you'll see if you follow the band uh, in the next six months, you'll see that it, it even has a, it has other levels sure. um, and other plan, other um, intentions. And we are going to simultaneously can, uh, continue to like build on, on the world we have uh, in terms of media and narrative, but also do some of the futurism outreach. We want to really, we have, we're in a r- very amazing um, position to, to help shed light on science and, and uh, how it's affecting our lives. So, you know, sure. we're not just a band that focus, focuses on the future dangers and pitfalls, these hyperbolic pitfalls of tech gone wrong. We also uh, focused on tech in the present. And uh, only now have we been had the resources and ability to, to also bring that forward. So it's, I guess, to answer your question, it's only getting crazier. And I it totally is. get get what you're saying on um, – know being true to the fans uh while also fleshing out some of what hadn't been released before um it's just it's yeah it's difficult yeah but fun yeah no it must be difficult i mean it just it's all encompassing you know with with your shows yeah go ahead go ahead i'm stuttering on words here because i'm I'm literally no but i'm literally living some of the issues i i sometimes don't know how far let's take this behind the scenes. You know, I'm Dustin of the band. I, if, if, if star set is the movie inception, not inception, I'm trying to think of a good, uh, interstellar. I'm the less good looking Matthew McConaughey of it. Right. (laughs) Uh, uh, so if, if that's the case, I'm sitting here as Matthew McConaughey talking to you and I don't, but, but inception, the movie is still in theaters or, uh, interstellar, the movie is still in theaters. I'm not trying, the more I, I make this about Dustin, the more the spotlight comes off of Interstellar, and the harder it may, might be for some viewers to uh, suspend disbelief. So I, I even have reservations as I talk to you right now. Right. It's summer. It's hot outside. I know a lot of us are enjoying the weather out in the backyard or on a patio. And personally, I love to grab a refreshing Miller High Life. Miller High Life is unpretentious, high quality, and is there to celebrate the wins of every day, big or small, whether it's a promotion at work, finishing off some tasks around the house, or even just finding all your socks in the dryer. It's within everyone's reach and was founded on that principle back in 1903 that everyone should enjoy the good life. It's still brewed the same way with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles either in an iconic glass bottle or for this summer in limited edition champagne cans. It brings pride to those simple summer moments that don't have to be big to call for celebration. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you're in tech, you've been there before. Feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, 
Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and MapMyFitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. Well, it's interesting though because... I don't know what your intentions were when you started this thing, when you were in your parents' garage planning it, writing it down. I mean, obviously, everybody has their thoughts of what things could be and then what they think they might be and then what they actually are can be vastly different from either of those things. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. in your case, it probably is vastly different, especially when you talk about the mainstream success you've had uh, with some of your songs. I mean, I hear, you know, I live just outside of Detroit, uh, and I hear your songs on 89X all the time on that radio station, you know, and, and that kind mm-hmm. of mainstream success lends sometimes lends itself to the casual fans, you know, yep. the fans that want to go hear, just hear something that fucking rocks. They can bang their heads to. Uh, and I don't want to, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say negative things about your fans or, any, or no. anything, but a lot of times those kind of fans, they're maybe not as in tune with things like technology and science and they aren't highly educated, you know, um, and they don't really care about, you know, all this stuff that you care so much about. Is that, is that a weird sort of, uh, duality? I don't really know the word, but that you have to kind of, um, navigate around, like making something that rocks, Uh, but at the same time, like something that you guys care about and that your real, you know, hardcore fans care about. Yeah, I need to be careful to address all of the things that sprung to mind as you talk about that. Right. First off, um, I went into this with the goal of finding some mainstream success while harboring um, a, a larger artistic, larger artistic goals. Yeah. Um, some of my favorite bands were able to manage that, and it's harder now, I think, but um, still trying. Sure. But, but if knowing that if that worked, then ninety percent of the fans would be pedestrian and would yeah, be yeah. surface level. That's a good word and for knowing it. Yeah. That, uh, and, and, and that's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, it's awesome. That's part of the, the plan. The, uh, you know, it's that those people are just as awesome to us. And that's not, not just me copping out and saying like being born, but that's, you know, when I wanted to be Metallica, those same type of fans, you know, that, uh, it's still awesome to have them. Uh, but the challenge then is to service the 10% of fans that want more without, um, without, uh, cause if you, if you maximize this from like an econ- economic perspective or, 
or otherwise, things would quickly shift towards servicing that 90% and, and optimizing that. Yeah. And, and so it's a balancing act to be able to keep this going and growing and making a cooler stage show and, yeah. and all, and, and finding profit for your label inadvertently. Cause that's their motivation. Uh, right. and yeah. then, but, but yeah. And then the, on the other side of the coin, you could stay insular and entirely devoted to the 10% and, uh, enjoy, you know, enriching the, the story entirely. And it's a, it's a constant battle. And, um, it's a good battle, but I think both can be, um, achieved, but, and at the same time, at the same time, that's, that's the internal battle. Then there's the external battle of this is a cutthroat world, cutthroat industry, even more so than maybe it ever was. Maybe, Uh, maybe. Yeah. But that's the thing I like about your band though, is, is, you know, there was this, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, this project, this band, um, if you haven't, you have to check them out. Uh, it was called Captured by Robots. Are you familiar with this? Okay, I'll check it out. Okay. No. It's, it's, let me explain. And a lot of listeners are going to love this too. So uh, basically, this guy built these robots that could play instruments. So they would stand there, like he put kind of a guitar on them, and he'd have like their, their hands would move up and down to fret, you know, the different notes and there was a robot that would yeah. literally hit snare drum and kick drum and everything and they had songs and he was the singer but the concept of the band was he was like in chains because these robots kidnapped him and they like made, forced him to play music with them that's like this backstory <laughs> that's awesome and that yeah. pisses me off too because I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. Keep going. Okay. And if this was a this was probably like at least ten years ago this happened and I don't know I don't know what happened to it. I loved watching it because it was just so entertaining to see this. And it was so, like, just out there and something you'd never seen before. But the thing about it was, like, the songs weren't really any good, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to put on, you know, put on the records at home or whatever because, like, it wasn't, like, really creative. Like, you could tell that all of his work and, and effort and everything was put into the, the, the building this and the technology, not really the creative part. But what I like about your band is that you guys seemingly put just as much into crafting great songs, songwriting, uh, lyrics, you know, um, uh, production. All that stuff is really, really good um, to where you guys could stand alone just on your records without the whole, you know, the concept and, and the Star Set Society and all that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you, you know, for the for that. That's cool to hear. And But the... The funny thing that I, the the flip side of that is when people come to see us and they didn't know about the uh, what right. we do on stage. Right there, there, there's always a certain amount of like, oh, I love the band, but uh, drop the stupid this or get uh. rid of the stupid that. And uh, I always wonder about why people are offended by it when you know we're giving them something on top of that as right. opposed to the same thing they'd seen it's people it's very interesting to watch people um be afraid of change to that level right well i guess some Uh, people just they they don't want to be associated with something that i guess maybe someone else could say is a gimmick you know mm -hmm. oh it's like that band's just a gimmick and then you're like wait a second they have actually have great songs and like you know, and great lyrics, and they're actually trying to say something, and it's something more. You know, but a lot of times people will just look, look, you know, skin deep, and and that's what they'll see. 
So, you know, that could be a part yeah. of it. And totally, you just landed exactly yeah. um, the, the same way I define gimmick. Um, when <laughs> when a, even like a DJ will be like, I love your gimmick. And I'm like, well, exactly. For the same reason, a gimmick, that word only applies if it's, um, if it's sort of covering up the fact that there's nothing else there. Yeah, and it's a, yeah it's you're the right. It's the one way to, to, to find an in into the industry or something. I always think of like, uh, the, have you ever seen the movie Airheads? Of course, yeah. I love that movie. I watched it oh, just the other day. It was like on the cat TV. in the hat. Dudes <laughs> in like the cat in the hat hats. Like anytime there's like four dudes at the uh, radio station. Yeah. And they're like dressed like assholes. And I'm, 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 every time someone calls the band a gimmick, I'm like, God, I'm in the same group as the cat in the hat guys <laughs> and airheads. Uh, <laughs> so why did you say the, um, I just want to get back to this. Why did you say that thing about the captured by robots guy building the robots? Why did that, you say that pissed you off? Oh, well, first off, I have, there's two things I haven't said. And if, and I, I get anxiety when I don't, when I open up these new threads or tangents. And so I have to answer the other thing too. Um, okay. Uh, and that, and that's that, uh, you know, when we were talking about the 90%, 10% thing, yeah, yeah. It, there's also another issue that goes along with another thing you had said in that, you know, my demons or monster, once you know you have a, a song that can service that mainstream thing, um, the, how far towards it do you steer? How far in terms of production, in terms of um, content, how far do you you engineer it towards being a hit and then and then when you find if if you go too far with that and then you find success the issue that you might have is a disparity between your art songs and your commercial songs and so that's another crazy crazy thing to try to balance um right but anyways back to uh (laughs) so I'm, i'm doing a side project called uh, mannequin. It's like MNQM. I, yes, I saw that there. I was wondering how you pronounced it, but mannequin makes total yeah. sense. Yes. Yeah, and um, we're. I say we're, and it's just like me and a producer. I do that but, too uh, with that show. I do that with this podcast. I'm always like, yeah, <laughs> if you want to get in touch, you know, you can email us. And it's like, wait a second, you can email me, <laughs> you know. But anyways, go on, go on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and. Uh, it's it's very electronic. It's a, uh, a blend of some 80s sounds and super modern sounds, um, trap and new wave oh, yeah. and Stranger Things and, and and the the funny thing is is that I've joked about having uh, just a bunch of mannequin looking robots play the songs. So when you said that someone had done that, I was like, I was a little upset. Like basically, it's a the vision I always get is, dude, what is that song where it's all like models playing? Mm, uh, sure. Oh crap. It, it's like all the same looking androgynous models. Uh, it's a music video. Okay. Uh, well, whatever, but I was going to kind of rip that off, uh, <laughs> intentionally, like make it look just like that. Right. But it's, uh, it's, it's mannequins. So, well, it's, it would make sense. I, I think maybe if you want to do that, you need to call the captured by robots guy. Maybe he can help you uh, help you build the robots. Maybe it can be a little collabo. <laughs> you, you should do a podcast on where he is now. I should. I, I, absolutely. I imagine it's somewhere weird. I haven't thought about that guy or that that pro- that thing in like ten years. 
I, I just like I, I I'm sure somebody out there listening to this know, knows it, and I'm definitely going to look into it um, when I got off the phone with you. But another band that it reminded me of when you were talking about the you know the art songs versus the hits, you know, is like a band like Tool. You know, that's yeah. a band that has had extreme success. You know, having hit songs like Sober and you know and like big radio hits that people want to go see, but that at the same time they have fans that want to go see them play like a nine or ten minute, you know, weird <laughs> song, you know, like like that with is, like four time signature. Yeah, yeah, like you know, that's like some crazy like deep cut, you know. So in some ways, I'm sure that 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 model, in, in, you know, obviously every band is different, but that kind of idea could work for you guys too, in a sense. That is, uh, I guess they would be the high, high watermark for how to achieve that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the funny thing about a band like that is only maybe a band every generation or so gets that license too. you have to, mm-hmm. you have to get lucky and you have to earn it and you have to be incredible yeah. and all of that has to come together. It's sort of like with movies too. Only, only maybe one or two directors gets to gets to break the mold of of certain things and so that's the goal for yeah. sure absolutely absolutely i think another band that comes to mind is pearl jam you know that's a band that had a lot of yeah. mainstream success on their first you know two or three records and then they just they broke with it tradition completely stopped making music videos mm-hmm. stop and now they're one of the biggest you know cult following yeah. bands you know um they could just they, it's more than they 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 fill up stadiums yeah incredible i know that's that's it is a crazy band but another thing that i have to bring up is just the youtube success you guys have had with your music videos and and everything else and even some of your fan music videos having crazy amounts of views uh i think your publicist sent over a little thing it said over a billion now views of your music on youtube that's crazy um you must put a lot of thought and time and everything into that side of the band too well, um, some of it was thought and some of it was planning and luck. Um, right. We came out right as YouTube was at a place that it was a sort of an inflection point for. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in downplay, I had realized that um, you know major labels were looking at YouTube as an as like an adversary, as like a Napster, and they were doing copyright strikes. Yeah. And what I realized though. And they weren't letting people use their music. And what I realized was YouTube was basically the radio of the future and mm. or one of the radios of the future. And at the same time, a major label is paying in exorbitant amounts of money for a few spins on the radio for their acts. Yeah. They were keeping they were keeping um, the music from being spread on YouTube. It was very weird. And so totally. I realized that that if I, I, I've basically made a database of tastemakers on YouTube and, um, became friends with some of them and offered my music downplay stuff even back then, uh, to, for free and gratuitous licensing to use in their, their content. And with the, the goal that all of their listeners, all their viewership would see it and, and a certain portion would like it and explore more, but also that, um, the, the content creators within their viewership would then use the music. So um, right. that that was the plan. That's what we we did with Starset from the very beginning. And 
I think that that was the first one half of the coin. The other reason that it took off uh, in addition to that plan and the timing was that our music is soundtrack music at, uh, right. many, at many points, you know, and, and so they, it was, it, I, it worked out that kids could use our music to, to totally. enhance their creations. Totally. I mean, it just it keeps spreading. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, you seem like a bit of a, I don't want to say control freak again, I don't want to offend you, but, um, <laughs> no, does it, is it kind of weird that, you know, someone else is putting up a video of your music and then it has like 122 million views um you know like more oh, than your like uh, is that is that weird that that's out of your hands does that yeah bother you uh, in some that, ways that particularly particular video i'm well aware of yeah uh there's a funny story i'll tell you in a second but uh it bugs me because i know what caused that it was um i was paying a friend to do a lyric video for my demons um, before we put it up and I had teased that I was going to put something up this is way at the beginning no no record label or anything and I had made some arrangements to let like I said let a, a gamer use my demons in his video and it, he was going to release it on this day and uh, that day came and my friend hadn't completed the lyric video and so the song My Demons went up and, you know, within an hour, uh, a kid had made a lyric video for it and put it up. And so ever since then, the way the YouTube algorithms work, any, any video with, with um, whatever video has the most plays goes to the top. Yeah. So you could have all these awesome, we have like two or three videos we've made for My Demons. And those will always uh, go be below this because it has less um right less plays so that has just been a it's just taken off and just never looking back if you look for my demons and you just want to listen to the music um that's the one you watch right. and but that's also proof that um people go to youtube to stream music similar to spotify totally and it's it's another reason um that i guess we get screwed over um as in terms of mo money um mm -hmm. it doesn't I don't sit here and stew about it, but you know, uh, the labels are getting paid as if they were videos. And then the audio part is just another small little chunk of that. Yeah. That's broken down into their, their rapey pie. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a yeah. rape pie within a rape pie. Jeez. Yeah. So, um, but the funny story about that is the kid that made that came to a show and, uh, uh, we were joking about how, his video had that many uh, views and how he, like me, hadn't seen any money for it. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, now that, you know, YouTube is, is changing, right? There's that new thing they just launched or they're launching. Yep. The uh, music, yeah. That's a bit, you know, that could be a really big thing because, you know, just the video component that doesn't exist on Spotify or Apple Music is a huge, you know, oversight. So it'll be very interesting mm -hmm. to see what happens. Um, I want to talk a little bit too about your shows or live shows yeah. and your your production. Just just with your live shows, uh, so elaborate and everything. Um, and you must have a big hand in putting that together. And some of the things that I've you know seen on you you're doing, like with you know your violin and cello players in these boxes that literally like become opaque and then translucent. Like that is crazy. Like how does that? Where does all that stuff come from? Yeah, I. I design all of it myself. I just get, uh, I, I just try to find ideas that are 
that are unique, but also service the show. Um, that started with the drum cube, we call it. Um, on the second record, you might have noticed that the drums, maybe 40% of the time, are, are loops. They're not live drums. Right. So I didn't want them to have to just sit there. Um, and I also didn't want them to play them live. I wanted that differentiation between the live drums and the electronic drums. Uh, so I wanted to loop them. Uh, but And so I realized that if I could put him... Oh, and I also hate cymbals, uh, which you may or may not hate as well uh, as a singer. Uh, sure. Cymbals in the ears. Um, so I wanted to solve that too. So I realized if I could put him in uh, this this uh clear box then that would attenuate the symbols yeah. and if i covered the the box in this electrolytic type polymer um <laughs> then it would i could make it go opaque or not and so when he's not playing it goes opaque and that that instant i have projection map onto it so crazy video happens and then when he starts playing i have a program so it goes clear and the video stops and then he's lit up that and so there's this push pull in the visual that's sort of magical Wow. And, yeah, that's, that's and, then, and then did the similar concept for the cellist and violin. And now, you know, the three cubes sort of turn on and off whenever they're playing or not. And then it's uh, at sometimes it's a, a, an entire wall of video across the stage. Wow. When do you, uh, how do you research this stuff to find out about this? Do you, is it other bands, other shows? Like, obviously, there's some people really on the cutting edge, like Nine Inch Nails, for example, always has the most cutting edge production. But where do you actually find out about this stuff? Uh, that specific stuff, I was like, how do I make this go opaque? And then I remembered being in a bar, uh, some trendy bar where um, the bathrooms had that um a version of that where they they went clear and uh opaque and i was like i researched trying to find that that um material and then found the company and then ordered enough to cover all of the uh the panels with it and then you know i found out it, it, it operates on uh standard 110 volts so right I just, I just got some relays and did some wireless DMX that came out of uh, just the um, DMX's unit uh, and, and then ran it off of MIDI within Ableton. Oh, wow. So. There you go. Very, very cool. Yeah. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but thank you so much for doing this, man. Um, I got to ask you, too, about this whole uh, Marvel uh, collab and the graphic novels that you've put out, you know, um, along with your records. Um, I, I would have assumed you're a big fan of Marvel and that stuff, but I actually heard you weren't into comic books. Yeah. Um, I had a few comic books as a kid and I, uh, I was like a poor kid and I didn't really read them. Like I thought that if I save them, I would one day be a millionaire. <laughs> and, uh, so I just had these few coveted comics, um, that I've since lost and uh-huh. who knows if they were worth anything, but, uh, I, I didn't. I money was a bit scarce as a kid, so I didn't I didn't put it towards towards comics, and as a result, I didn't become a super fan. I'm certain I would have otherwise. Right. Uh, instead, instead, I did the extra super more nerdy thing and just went to the library and read <laughs> novels and books. <laughs> yeah. And, when and you, I, at first, you, I felt bad about that having a Marvel comic and not being a super fan, um, but then I realized, you know, I, I try to live my life that it, it that 
is more in line with some of the science and things that are the topics of Marvel Comics. So, you know, if I'm big into science, I think it works. I, I think sense. it works, too, but it must have been funny collaborating with them and they might... I just think of some, them saying something like, hey, we can send you like this, you know, whatever... Uh, uh, you know, Spider-Man thing, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I like don't really care," you know, like <laughs> just keep it. <laughs> like, I just picture like a conversation like that, and Marvel being kind of like butt hurt, you know, <laughs> just assuming that you're super into it or something. I don't know. I just I don't know why that conversation played out in my head, but I uh, I do think well, it's I, very cool, and that's a very cool opportunity. Not no, almost no bands yeah, get it, that opportunity. And my whole, my entire goal is to to make it worthwhile for them and and us, and uh, we're creating some new things that I think could be incredible for for future Marvel endeavors. So very cool. We'll see what happens. Very cool, man. Uh, well, thanks for taking the time. Uh, what's coming up next? Uh, you can tell the people about with Starset and, and anything else you're working on. Yeah, some of the the things I hinted at the the what we tentatively call, well, just on the inside, we call the light side of the Star Sense Society. It's the educational um, side of it. We're really developing that uh, the website um, that can that's going to host original content that and and also aggregated content that looks at science and tech and its its current state of the art, where it's going, where it could end up, and how it could change our lives politically, socially, economically. And other way, otherwise, and wow. uh, developing other various media around that, um, not just social media, but um, physical media, and, and and various other various other projects surrounding that. I'm really excited about that. But at the same time, working on um, some new uh, star set releases. There are a lot of things in the can, and cool. Trying, yeah, getting a lot done now that. You know, we're off the road. Great. And and when are you going to go back uh, on the road for more demonstrations? I know you called it your live shows demonstrations, which I think is terrific. So when more when are more awesome. uh, when are more demonstrations happening? There, it appears that there is going to be a hometown one pretty soon, um, awesome. but it's not public yet, and that's potentially in July. And then uh, we're doing <laughs> we're doing a run out to um, Sturgis. For the, I think during the motorcycle rally in August, and okay. there's, I, 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 we just keep getting challenged by greater and greater scary uh, situations. <laughs> I don't, I think it could be amazing. I have no idea what to expect. I might have to turn our lasers up to uh, increase the wattage so it can zap all of the piss jugs that get tossed at us. <laughs> no, man, bikers <laughs> love bikers love you know space and technology and all that stuff. So. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it totally it'll be works. cool. It'll be cool. Right. No, that's great. Otherwise, it's going to be straight up Blues Brothers. I need this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Instead of chicken wire, I'm going to have lasers crossing the stage. <laughs> uh, and, and then, yeah, we're going, it looks like going to Tokyo for a new number of shows nice. in September. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's terrific. Uh, have you been there before? I assume you have? No. Oh, first time. Wow. Yeah. Enjoy. That's that's gonna be crazy for. I mean, there's there's no. I love Japan. There's no place like it. So it's that's gonna awesome. be terrific. Well, Dustin, thank you very much. Uh, anything to add before I let you go? No, uh, just really appreciate uh, this. It's been 
not boring like some things can be. So I, well, but it wasn't boring for me either. This this very eye opening and very different. Uh, you know, I said I did 130 something podcasts, and there hasn't been one quite like this. So I appreciate uh, your 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 thoughts and your words and and everything. So all the best, and I hope yeah. to see you around. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, take care, Dustin. Thank you. See you soon. Yeah. Cheers. So there is with Dustin. What an interesting guy, interesting conversation, and very, very cool band. I love their whole thing, their whole aesthetic. That is not easy to do, to say the least. Again, thank you so much for listening to this thing, for being a part of this podcast. Be sure to check out the All Access Club. Again, the link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. I'm going to be back next week with a very, 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 very big episode, a long-awaited guest. I know y'all are going to want to tune into it. I like the surprise. I like the surprise, but ah, fuck it. Next week, Anthony Green from Circus Survive and Seosin will be on the show. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit the subscribe button right now. And if you like the show, tell a friend, tell a loved one. That is how we spread the word on this thing. As always, I will leave you with a tune. Here is the smash hit from Starset, Monster. Peace and love, and we'll see you next week. Under the knife, I surrender. The innocence yours to consume.
Nothing in the 